I mean, shouldn't he be writing his college essay rather than a Welcome back to the Emissions Uncovered podcast with me, Dominic, and your other hosts, me and Michael. Today's show is brought to you by Audible. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. Just go to audibletrial.com slash aupod or the link below this podcast and browse the unmatched selection of audio programs. Download a free audiobook and start listening. It's that easy. Just go to audibletrial.com slash aupod to get started today. Today we'll talk about how you can stand out in your college application through a spike. A spike is something about yourself that stands out to the school and makes you who you are. So really, a spike is just one big thing about you. When someone asks you, tell me about yourself, what's the big thing that you love to brag about? Or when you're having a conversation with someone you don't know, what's the one thing you really want to steer the conversation to? Because... You can make yourself sound pretty cool. So as Michael was saying, it's the one big thing that kind of defines who you are. But you got to kind of steer away from making Spike something that's purely academic because that usually doesn't set you apart from other students. Because, for example, if you're applying to a top tier school, most of the students will have either perfect or near perfect SAT, ACT scores or 4.0 GPAs. So you got to make sure that you do something that sets you apart. So academics usually shouldn't be your big spike in your college application. It, it should be the baseline. Everybody who's applying to these top tier schools will have a good grades, reasonable scores. So that can't be the differentiator. Yeah, like how my teacher always says that scores can't get you in, but they can keep you out of top tier schools, which I think sums it up really well. Yeah, exactly. So although it's best to avoid purely academic things when concerning your spikes just because there's going to be so many other kids. If you are a very, let's say, STEM-heavy person and you're very active with your science team or something and you go to a national science fair competition or international competitions or you've done a lot of independent research with, let's say, a local community college professor, then that's a great spike to have. But the problem that we're trying to show with academics is that there's just so many other kids who have good grades or good test scores that is not going to allow you to stand out. But if you are very good at, let's say, chemistry and you're on the chemistry Olympiad team, then go for that. But just make sure that it is something special. So let's say like a national distinction. Yeah. So really, the things can be very academically focused, like a science fair project, as long as it's something that's extra curricular. You can't brag about getting 100 on your science test as a spike. That's not a spike. A spike generally has to be something that's an extracurricular activity that you've done a long time, that you're really passionate about, and that you've done reasonably slash very, very, very well at. Yeah, so like if you're one of those students that fits into the category where like you're either nationally ranked or something in something or nationally recognized or you play in, for example, the national orchestra or something like that, that should definitely be a good selling point of your application because you know colleges always want the people that are best the best at something it can be something really small not very common but as long as you're really good at it or extraordinary at it you know colleges will want you because they want students that are exceptional at something because it helps bring I guess like good reputation back to the school and so here are some examples of how you can be spikes in various activities 
So for volunteering, there are a lot of like generic awards, you know, the Presidential Volunteer Service Award, things like community awards, there are awards that schools give out for a set number of hours, but there are also big national type awards and national type scholarships. So there's one called the Prosperity Scholarship or the Prosperity Award that is awarded to someone who does the most to fight uh, hunger in the area. But I think volunteering as a spike can also happen when you take leadership of a project, start an organization. It can't just be the number of hours you've done because, you know, again, a lot of people do a lot of hours. What's to set you apart from that? Those people. Uh, besides extracurriculars and volunteering, you can also you can also have athletics be a spike. So let's say you are the captain of your a football team or you run track and you're an all-state athlete. That could be a great thing to uh, have as your spike for your application. And also, if you're an athlete, make sure that if you're trying to get into a certain school, uh, try to contact that coach or get your coach to reach out to them. Because if you can get that school's coach on your side, they will probably be able to help your application and make sure that you end up at that school. And this is not just for sports, like traditional sports. Debate is a huge thing on a lot of college campuses. So if you're a really good debater and you're going to a school that has a sizable debate team you should also reach out to the debate coaches there or get your coaches your current debate coaches to reach out to your potentially future debate coaches as well yeah so as michael was talking about like you could apply to a really good debate school the reality is not everyone has the same chance of getting into a college regardless of what they say like the, a five percent acceptance rate some schools have certain criteria or like spots that they need to fill that year. So for example, you could say for the band, their oboe player just graduated and then they're looking for a replacement. And if you happen to play the oboe and you're really good at it, you have a better chance of getting in because that's what the school needs. Or say you play a sport that not a lot of students play, like, I don't know, badminton or something. I don't know if they have a team for that. But um, if you happen to be that person that the school needs that year, then your chances are a lot better. But this shouldn't be your main focus of trying to hunt down what the school needs that year. You should still be sure that you pick something that you're passionate about. Because it's actually just impossible to do that. Because what a school needs is going to change from year to year. And in order to get a good spike, you have to do it for a fairly long time, which means that you would have to be clairvoyant and have a crystal ball to know what <laughs> institutional needs of schools will be four years when you're applying to school and i don't have that but if you do you probably don't need to go to college you're probably <laughs> uh, some things for writing if you're a really good writer that can set you apart um, are writing competitions uh, as well as submitting your works to magazines so actually the new york times doesn't frequently publish from high school type authors, but I've seen articles written by high schoolers. You can get freelance work with various smaller publications, like the Huffington Post used to have a contributors program, uh, and Medium has several publications that are always looking for people to write in them. And these aren't money-making opportunities, but they are exposure opportunities for you as a writer, but also things to put on your college application. Uh, a few awards, though, if you're interested in them, are the National Scholastic Award, 
Achievement Awards in Writing from National Council of Teachers of English, and the Bennington Young Writers Award. Uh, the National Council of Teachers of English one is actually one of the bigger ones, just because it's from a teacher-certified organization. Uh, and it's very cool because they fly you out and you get to meet really famous authors and stuff. So if you're a good writer, those are a few options for you too. Yeah, so also like within that realm, if you're more of a STEM person, you should really look into like research because I think... I know a senior this year that goes to uh, one of the schools and, and she had like research published and it's in its clinical trial stages or like pilot stages, which is really amazing because like how many high school students do you know that actually get re their research published or a study actually conducted based on their research? So just anything that can help set you apart that a lot of people wouldn't do. And even if you're just a humanities major or like a social science econ major, there are still research opportunities out there, especially for econ. There's less obviously for the humanities, but those humanities positions, like if you want to major in classics, you should be looking into submitting literary criticisms or analyses, whether to magazines or just posting them online. At this point in the podcast, we would like to share one of our sponsors with you, Audible. All of us have interests and find ourselves engrossed in them. If you would like to explore your interests, or find a new one perhaps, to further sell your spike in your college application, Audible is here to help with an exclusive offer. Thanks to Audible's sponsorship of the Emissions Uncovered podcast, you can now discover your favorite book and further your interests with your free 30-day trial membership, which includes a free audiobook. Audible offers an unmatched collection of audiobooks, allowing you to explore all of your interests. Just go to audibletrial.com slash aupod or the link down below on the website to claim your free book and 30-day trial today. Thank you for supporting your Missions Uncovered hosts, and now we return you to your regularly scheduled podcast. We just talked about traditional spikes or the most common spikes. But you can also have a spike that is less traditional. It could even come from everyday things. So Dominic, do you want to give us a few examples of what those things can be? Yeah, so a few of these, uh, let's say, unspikable or non-traditional activities that we're going to try to spike for you. So let's say you have been babysitting or you take care of a younger sibling when your parents are working or you work for your parents at their business. You take care of a sick or old family member. Um, those are great individual stories that you're able to not only write essays about, but it makes you stand out and shows your character off to the school and will aid your application. Kind of reminds me of that girl you were talking about who had her own quinceanera business, right, Michael? Yeah, yeah, exactly. This girl with a quinceanera business is got, getting a lot of free airtime. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it speaks to how... You don't need to win the traditional competition to do well. You know, like, th think of this analogy, I guess. You know, for econ majors, there's, I guess, there, there are a lot of paths, but here are two paths, right? One is that you get a job on Wall Street or in management consulting, and you live a traditional lifestyle. And the next way is if you go do a startup or work for a startup, do something that's not traditional. And many times, that non-traditional person does a whole lot better than the traditional person or, you know, has a better life than the person with the traditional job or career or is more famous or well-known than that person. So there are ways to spike the unspikable. There are ways to make your, what you think is ordinary or what you think is a strange thing look really amazing. And in fact, sometimes those are the things that are the best spikes. 
And I think the example about taking care of sick or old families or babysitting, those are things that make for really great essays, whereas maybe someone winning the science fair is more bland. Yeah, because I feel like babysitting is a lot more personal and it could let the colleges know a lot more about you than you winning a science award because that doesn't really tell them about who you are. It's just another kind of leaning towards the academic side, which could be portrayed through your grades, the classes you've taken. So you want to be able to show the colleges a different side of you. So just like Michael was saying, it doesn't just have to be an award or something that you've won or a competition that you attended or represented uh, some team on a state or national level. It could be different skills that you've gained. So let's say you have a few businesses that you run and you've developed those from nothing into something. Or let's say you have a YouTube channel and you've got you know uh, tens of thousands of subscribers. That's something very interesting. Or let's say you know a lot of languages. That could be something that the school would also want to see with their students. There are also identity-based spikes They're sometimes called hooks that serve to fulfill institutional need. Things like being a first-generation college student, things like being low income, but also things like how strong your high school's relationship is with the college. So one example that comes to mind is Harvard and Exeter. You know, Exeter has been called a feeder school to Harvard. And of course, you know, Exeter is a really great private boarding school. But there's also been a relationship that's built up between the college admissions counselors and the admissions officers. For one, because these private boarding schools often have a lower student-to-admissions counselor ratio. It's sometimes, you know, like almost like one counselor works with seven kids and focuses on all those seven kids. And so there's a lot of things that are out of your out of your control here. If you were born middle class, there's no way to make yourself low income or make yourself a first generation college student. Now, I'd say like you've probably in, been advantaged. You've definitely been advantaged by the fact that you're not low income. But these are things that sometimes you can't control. Sometimes you can't control what the school needs. Sometimes you can't control your place when an admissions officer considers diversity. And that's just something you have to deal with because you're just not in control for a lot of this process. Now, this doesn't mean that hooked applicants are necessarily the worst. It doesn't necessarily mean that the first generation, the low-income student got in because of diversity quotas or because you know the school wanted to look good because they were let in. The Because there are just so many of these hooked applicants applying now because of the Common App, because of things that have made college applications more accessible, then the hooked applicants getting into these top tier schools still have really great grades and still have really good test scores too. And so I, I think I think more generally the people who say like, oh, the African American just got in because of affirmative action are very, very wrong. And yeah, just incorrect on the facts. Because if you think about it, if they're first generation or low income, the struggles that they have had to overcome to get to where they are now, sometimes we take it for granted that we get to go to school, go to really good school and get a good education, whereas other people, they would have to take an extra shift at a restaurant or something like that to pay for, for their books. So I think it's deserving of them to be able to get this extra... I I guess you could say like advantage because they 
had to overcome more to get to where they are. You know, like one way to think about it is what are we rewarding? Are we rewarding pure absolute value from zero? Like if you view intelligence on a scale from zero to 100, do we just want the people who are higher on that scale? Or do we care about the progress people have made? Because if like someone started out at 90 and made their comfortable selves up to 95, it's like, great, but they've only increased five points, even with all the resources they had starting at 90. But if you had a kid start at 50 because of whatever structural reason, and they made their well, selves way, way up to like 80 or 85, then, you know, maybe their numerical absolute value scores are different. You know, maybe their SAT scores are just a little bit less, but the progress they made is extraordinary. But, you know, like this is again to still, but again, it's still to say that the absolute values for these hooked applicants, the numerical scores, not even accounting for progress, are still comparable because you have a lot of hooked applicants applying and there are hooked applicants with low scores and low test grades and those people don't get in because they're also hooked applicants with good test scores and good numerical grades. Even if you don't agree with me that we should measure progress and value overcoming barriers that society has structured for people. So we kind of got into our debate time right there, but now we'll actually move on to the real debate time. So what we'll be talking about in this segment of our debate time during the podcast (laughs) is, is a spike necessary for your college application? Michael, do you want to go first? I think it is necessary. Schools look for well-rounded classes, not well-rounded students. And, you know, the coffee hut is... You can be, you can have a great spike, you know, you can be really amazing at the piano, but the school is still going to care if you are incompetent at social interaction. The school is going to care if you say racist things. The school is going to care if you can't communicate with an adult in a reasonable way. So the caveat is, yes, spikes do matter, but you still have to have a reasonable baseline on everything else. Like even athletes, you know, maybe to a state school, they can get away with poor academics you know you always hear stories about the coaches making calls to professors say hey just 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 let them go because there's more of a sports cultures at these types of big public schools that's just a fact of the matter but when you get into the top tier schools where the culture of sports is not that important to professors to faculty to admin then it's just less likely that athletes are going to get a free pass and so they're going to have to have at least a minimal baseline of academic competency. Um, so I would agree with Michael that you do need it. You, you need a spike, but you also need to be well spread out. But I think that uh, the, the necessity of having a spike really depends on the type of school you're applying to, right? So although our podcast tends to focus on the top tier schools and we try to focus on all different types of schools, but just the way that Michael applied to schools and the way that me and I right, are planning right. to apply – it just tends – the conversation tends to focus on top tier. So if you're applying to your top tier schools, you definitely need to have a spike. Uh, but let's say you just want to go to your state school. You want to go to a local school. And, I mean, the college application process is whatever the kid wants to go to, right? So you get to apply where you want to go. So if that's where you want to be, then that's where you're going to apply. And if you're applying to a – let's say you're just state school for normal admissions, which you know you're trying to save the money – and you're going to go get a good education, you're going to come out with a decent uh, job opportunity, then, I mean, you you probably should have something that you're interested in, but it doesn't need to be a huge spike where you're like nationally ranked in something or you've done all this extra research. It's just, 
it's not as competitive in the admissions process, so it's not going to matter as much. And especially with those state schools, it's going to come down to your test scores and your recommendations and the attestment to your character through your essays more than it will be focusing on your one spike. But the difference between these state schools and the top tier schools is that the application pool applying to these top tier schools is not the same as these state schools. These state schools have a big mix of kids. So if you're a smart kid and you have good test scores and a good GPA, then you're going to get in. But the problem with these top tier schools is that all of the kids are the same with their high test scores and high GPAs to where you have to have this spike that sets you apart from the group. Because you hear these stories all the time, these perfect 4.0 kids with 1600 GPAs applying to Harvard and then they get rejected. Well, I mean, if the school is a bunch of 1600s and 4.0s applying there, they don't need another. You know, they already have enough of them. So they're going to go out searching for the kid that maybe has a, f a 1540, but, you know, they, they're nationally ranked in chess. And that's what the school wants to get instead of another kid who sat at home and did homework all night. So that's just the way these applications work. So it all comes down to where you're applying. But depending on where you're applying, take the appropriate advice, I would say. And so this is kind of the product also of how top tier schools do admissions processes, but also like most schools actually do this admissions process, the committee process, where you get one or two regional admissions officers on the first round to read your application. And, you know, there are three piles, you know, auto out, basically auto in and advance to the second round. And so for those people who go to the second round, they already have those baseline stats. And so then it's a question of how those second round applicants stand out in front of a committee of 12 people. This is a committee of 12 people that doesn't get to read all of your essay. They don't get to read the words you use. They don't get to re read the specific descriptions you use. Instead, they're going to hear a summary of that essay and a summary of your entire application from a regional admissions officer. And so if you have a really good essay, you're going to compel the re regional admissions officer to sell your, to sell you more and to maybe be more passionate and maybe even use a compelling quote from your essay. But it's not going to be the same. So the question becomes, how do you stand out in front of 12 admissions officers in a stack of a bunch of people who met the minimal baseline? And so I think the best way to do that is to say, this kid's won an international competition, let him in. And... It's, it's just an honest fact. Like, if you haven't won an international competition, it's going to be harder for you. So although there aren't too many articles about out there about how to specifically get into certain schools, uh, there is a series of top-tier application uh, articles on Prep Scholar by the founder, Alan Chang. And he talks about how he got into Harvard and his application and what he thinks is the best way to get in there. And obviously, this is going to be best applied to top-tier schools, but it's definitely applicable to all schools because it'll just make you stand out even more and probably get you more financial aid at your state schools. What he kind of talks about is the different aspects of his application that he thinks contributed the most. And he actually has his full application back in a separate article that's linked in that specific article that'll be right down below in the show notes. And if you guys are listening on a another medium from the website, it's emissionsuncovered.com to follow along with the show notes. The show notes contains links to all the things that we talk about, for example, articles or books or our sponsorships. So in this article, he kind of goes through all of the different aspects of his application and he actually gets the admissions officer's notes. So what we were talking about, you know, his big spikes, um, for example, he spent a lot of time uh, practicing and playing violin for in his orchestra. 
And although he thinks he spent a bit too much time and he was almost too spiked in that manner, um, that was noted by the admissions officer. And he also competed on the U.S. national uh, chemistry team. And he thinks that that was a big thing for his application as well, just because it's such a big honor. So that can kind of show you how these admissions work and how these admissions officers think during their application. And I've read all the, that whole series of articles, and I think it was very helpful. And it gave me most of what I know about the admissions process today. And, you know, to be clear, like this is an actual application with actual admissions officers notes on it. It is from a fairly long time ago, but so things could have changed. But, you know, from this piece of evidence, from the type of other type of evidence that we've gotten um, from even other people who have filed FERPA requests more recently to get their application back, it seems very clear that, at least on the first reading, there just isn't as much time to make notes, so things that stand out are going to get circled, and things that are more average or middling are not. It's it's just how this thing works. Kind of going off of how the writer of the blog on Prep Scholar said that he, he was worried he might might have been too spiked in an area, so is there a s- such thing as a bad spike like, for example, if you're another Asian and your spike is that you play the violin really well and that you do really well in international math competitions, like, does that even set you apart? Because as you know, like the whole stereotype with Asians playing the violin and doing math. So what do you guys think? I mean, my opinion on this, on this is that if you're really good at something, it doesn't matter if you fit a stereotype or not. There's a reason why schools accept a lot of Asians who are good at math and violin. It's because there are Asians who are good at math and violin who are really good at it and they're let in. And of course, there are like other races who are good at really good at violin and really good at math and they're also let in. So it's a question of your ability to play. Now, I think if you get into the more middling range, like you're no longer your big national symphony orchestra, your big all-state people and your, you know, second chair in your school's orchestra, then it gets a little bit tougher to be a stereotype. But if you're really, really good, and it's something that independently stands out, I, I don't think it matters that you are fitting the stereotype. Yeah, I would agree with Michael in that if you're really good at something, it doesn't really matter uh, if it's a bad spike or not, just because you're so special to that one activity. But again, for a spike at especially a top tier school, you're going to have to be either really good at it, or if you know really good isn't the best word to use, for example, you know, going back to the babysitting example, um, it just needs to be something unique that uh, not a lot of other people who are applying to that school show. So I know like, we've been talking a lot about spikes and like you have to be really good at something, right? So what if you fit in the categories that I guess, I think some of our listeners would fit into that you're not exceptionally good at anything and your, your so-called spike happens to be something that's traditional and, and doesn't fit into the non-traditional category. So how would you go about highlighting that in your application. So one way to think about that question is to, I guess, open up the definition of a spike. You know, we've been emphasizing that it's really good to be an international competition winner. And I think that's obvious. I think it's very clear that if you are a rock star in some regard, you're going to be fine, you know? So I think it's a good question because it shows that spikes don't need to be just achievement-based. It's also about the ways you've engaged with that spike. So say like your huge spike is going to be orchestra. You play in the orchestra, you play the violin, but you're not a national symphony orchestra concertmaster. But you also do other things with it. You teach orchestra to younger kids. 
You volunteer to play it at nursing homes. You created a foundation that raises money for underprivileged kids to buy instruments because it's very expensive. So, so, so those things, those, those other things are not achievement-based. You didn't get a, an award for teaching violin or volunteering to play at a nursing home, but you did do things that grow your spike. And so I think that I think an example of someone who fits that description needs, someone who doesn't have that huge, amazing national award, but still has done something that is more traditional, is, is me. I did debate, which is, I think, a great activity for everybody to do, but it's not the most pie-in-the-sky extracurricular activity. A lot of schools have it. A lot of people do it. And so I like to think that I did what's called National Circuit Debate. I competed at the Tournament of Champions. But those are just parochial things. Like an admissions officer does not know the difference between winning state UIL and winning state Texas Friends Association or going to the NSDA, National Species Debate Association Tournament, and winning the Tournament of Champions. They just they just don't. And so I think I fit into the category of that middling type of extracurricular activity. You know, I did fairly well at debate, but I was not a national champion by by any stretch of the imagination. But I but I think the way I made it my spike is through my essays and the other ways I've engaged with debate. I did not go to the law magnet my freshman year. I went to a suburban school and I chose to leave that suburban school mainly because it didn't have the opportunities for a debate and debate was something I wanted to pursue. So even though I wasn't a rock star debater, I showed intense passion for it and an intense drive to achieve it. I also talked about how debate changed my worldview on many things. You know, that's something that maybe that national champion debater hasn't written about or hasn't talked about. So it's obviously harder to be in my position, but clearly it's possible because, you know, I'm doing pretty fine right now. <laughs> so the question you should ask yourself is not, you know, like, Oh, despair. I haven't won an international award. I haven't won the Nobel Peace Prize or whatever. The question you should be asking yourself is, what have you done? But what are what do you think your spikes are going to be? Um, so I think my spikes, I don't have one. I'm, I'm kind of like Michael in a sense. So I don't have one big thing that I've, you know, gone to like a national competition for something. But there are a few things that I've pursued uh, during my high school time. And although it's taken time away from being able to do other things, it's, it's it kind of builds me into the person that I am. And it, it is that part that I talk about when somebody asks, you know, tell me about you, right? So for one thing, uh, I know we've talked about this stuff before, but just to go over and to give you guys an example of what we'll be putting on our applications so that you can get brainstorming um, a variety of business interests that I've pursued. So, you know, this podcast, um, the time spent in this, uh, snow cone business, uh, shirt business, um, there's just a variety of things that I've done there. And then also um, in scouting all the things I've done, doing that my whole life, and then building up to positions of leadership and being able to have some experiences that other, that other people haven't. And also just a, a ton of leadership skills that I think are a big aspect of my application. And then also a ton of volunteering, just purely in hours of volunteering, but also um, it's all you know service to people instead of you know picking up trash. And obviously there's nothing wrong with picking up trash but i think the whole people aspect of the service kind of adds to it and will allow me to write some good essays based off of that similar to dominic i don't think i have one big spike like nationally ranked or anything but if i would have to pick something i would always lean towards taekwondo i'm 
I've never competed in like a national or state competition in Taekwondo, but it's been something that I've been doing since I was six years old. And the thing about it is that I've moved around a lot from here to Vietnam to back here, but I've always done Taekwondo. I've always kind of gone out of my way to find a place to practice Taekwondo, which I think shows my resilience. And also within each Taekwondo place itself, I've worked my way up from being a white belt standing in the back of the class to now being a black belt that kind of leads the class, helps the newer kids, even though some of the kids have been there longer than I have. But I kind of take a leadership role within Taekwondo, help show them because I'm a fast learner. So I think that um, is a good spike. But also another thing is volunteering. So like here I volunteer um, by teaching Vietnamese on the weekends to some kids at the community college. But when I went to Vietnam last summer, I actually volunteered in a English camp. So kind of using my bi bilingual abilities and also my understanding of both cultures, how I've helped use that, and I've continued to use it in many ways, which shows my like versatility. So I think that's also another way where you could use your spikes to help show off your character and um, show how it makes you who you are. And notice there that what needed is combined two things and made two aspects of a spike to make that spike stronger. So core part of the spike is just doing the taekwondo for a long time. The ancillary part of the spike is doing it because traveling around. And so that made her use taekwondo as a funnel for exploring different cultures and helping different cultures. And so that can help her incorporate another part of her identity to make that spike more interesting. You know, like it's one thing to be a state champion of taekwondo, but to have lived in a suburb all, all your life. It's another thing to have, you know, not not be a state championship at Taekwondo, but continue to do Taekwondo despite moving. Use Taekwondo as a way to connect to your culture and to introduce other people to your culture. And so I think one thing I I think I'd suggest to you, Dominic, is to try to combine the business stuff with the with the scouting stuff and the volunteering stuff. What 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 is the one big spike or one big category that that all falls under? And I think that service to people fits under is is one of that big subheadings. So business, you solve problems um, that benefit you and your customer. Scouting, you try to help younger scouts, you know, grow into the program or whatever. Volunteering, it's a people based thing. So the big spike is not scouting or business or volunteering. It's solving problems or something like that. So now that we've kind of highlighted our different spikes and what spikes are and how you can find your own, uh, we want to go over the best ways to highlight your spike in the application. Well, in my case, I think the best way that I would go about highlighting my spike is through my essay, which I'm actually actually thinking about using Taekwondo um, in my essay because I think that's the best part. That's the best place for you to tell your story to the admissions officers the best way to kind of show them who you are through as I like I would use an anecdote and also stories about how I've moved around how I've always continued to do Taekwondo and it shows not only about my interest in Taekwondo which is one of the prompts but also how it's made me who I am. Um, also another way to emphasize your spikes would to be through your letters of recommendation. 
So not only from teachers or people at your school, but also additional letters of recommendation from community members. So for me, mine isn't very applicable at school. Uh, none of the teachers at my school know the scale at which I do uh, my extracurricular activities, so they wouldn't be able to attest to what I've done. Um, whereas Michael, you know, he could get his debate coach at school, and that would be the perfect letter of recommendation. And I did. But also, you know, taekwondo. You know, we don't we don't have taekwondo at our school, <laughs> so our teachers wouldn't. Know. We should. So can you imagine? Yeah. Can you imagine like this <laughs> being the sensei or whatever? Dude, I could. We had taekwondo. At my kindergarten school. Like, that's actually where I first did it. That'd be lit. So, well, that's a very hippy-dippy kindergarten place. Yeah. <laughs> we should get on it. Like, I like it. Don't get me wrong. I like it. Yeah. But, but letters of recommendation are another great place to highlight your spikes. And then also anywhere throughout the Common App. So, your awards or, you know, the hours spent on your extracurricular activities. Anywhere where you feel it fits, that's probably where it should be going. One thing I'll add is that Remember, you're telling a story with this college application. We, we say it a lot, especially in the context of, F, of the essay. It, it's your personal narrative. It's your life story. It, it's, it's who you are. And the spike should be... I guess all this episode isn't really to scare people into worrying about their lack of major awards. Because I, I don't want it to be that. Because it's there, there are so many people who get into great schools, even if they're not national champion of whatever thing. You know, it's going to be okay. But what matters is how you, what spike you choose, and how you present it, how you present it as uh, in the narrative. And so, one way to think about this is is in terms of the format for a standard five paragraph essay. Now, that's not what you're. you're common app should necessarily be but but just go with the analogy right you know the first paragraph is your intro and has a thesis statement the thesis statement for your entire application should be the spike it should be what your admissions you want the admissions officer to remember it should be the one sentence that you want your admissions officer to start with when presenting you to the committee and then each part of the application is one of those body paragraphs those extracurricular activities, what fits the spike? So so let's go back to Dominic's example. His general spike that I decided to add on for him is like helping people. So each extracurricular activity in that extracurricular activity section is a supporting detail or whatever of that thesis, the thesis being your spike. And so your essay is another way that you've shown yourself to fit the narrative that you've constructed for yourself. So again, like Dominic's big overall theme is that he likes helping people. So maybe body paragraph two is the essay, your common app essay, and you explain why you care about people. You know, you've been helped by the generosity of others, blah, 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 like something. So if you think about it that way, the spike gets less scary because the spike isn't just a big award. It's also you and that big award. It's how you've gotten there. It's how why you've gotten there. It's why you've chosen to dedicate yourself to that endeavor. It's not just about the award. It's about you too. And that's something you should always remember. It's about your personal narrative, not just a big name. Now, after all of this discussion, if you're still kind of wondering what your big spike is, uh, don't worry because we do have a few tips on how you can kind of discover yours. So first of all, uh, just sit down and ask yourself what you are best at or what you spend a lot of your time on. Uh, you know, there's 24 hours in a day and you only spend about 8 to 10 uh, between school and homework. So what do you do with the rest of that time? Um, and through that, you can kind of figure out what your spikes are. Any other tips? One thing I'd say is that, you know, my comparison of the spike to what your personal narratives 
narrative is should help you a lot because you can ask yourself then you know who am i what do i like about myself and and, and hopefully it is something you know know, (laughs) what do i want people to know about me those are the things that would be your spike if that's a little too deep for you and you you know some people don't want to dwell that deep because think about an activity that you enjoy doing the most what makes you happiest when you're at school and bored out of your mind what would you rather be doing right at that moment Mm -hmm. Yeah, what do you daydream about? What do you imagine when your teacher's droning on for, you know, 45 minutes at a time? And so, you know, for me, it was debate. So I use debate as my big thing. Well, we just want to make sure that uh, you're not caught up on thinking about a, you know, a big national competition or something. This doesn't have to be a super big thing. It just has to be what makes you important and what will make you stand out to this admission officer that's reading over your application. So just try to think hard about something that is important to you. And remember, again, it doesn't have to be something that you think is super amazing. Okay, so thank you for listening. We really appreciate each person that has taken their time to listen to this podcast. And as usual, we wouldn't be able to do this without your support. And if you have the ability to support us, you can go to Patreon at patreon.com slash admissions uncovered. You can find the link below or at Audible at audibletrial.com slash aupod. Any contribution will help us a lot as we are a student-run podcast and we would really like to get your support. And if you can't, that's okay. Just support us through social media. You can follow us on Twitter, on Facebook, or Instagram, or you can leave us comments and questions below. Thank you very much. We can make it a thing. We're trendsetters here at the Admissions Uncovered podcast.